Hi, everybody. It's Dave. Before we get started with the show, I wanted to mention two quick things. First, I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon patrons. This and every episode is because of you. You're part of the team, and we very much appreciate you. If you're not a current patron of the show, however, why not become one? When was the last time you spent 3 to $5 on something you didn't even end up really using? Perhaps it was that half-drunk cup of coffee, or maybe it was an item that looked really good on the grocery shelf, but when you got it home, turned out not to be so good after all. Well, I'll tell you one thing that both looks good and is good, and that's psychology in 10 minutes. If you've been listening to the show for a while, ask yourself how it's influenced you. Did it give you a sense of comfort or support when you were down? Did it give you something new to think about that perhaps you've never considered before? Maybe it changed your mind about something or gave you evidence to support something you already believed. What's that worth to you? Is it worth $3 a month? Well, I certainly hope the answer is yes. And if it is, do me a favor and visit patreon.com slash psychology in 10 minutes and become a patron of the show. I know it takes a few minutes, but think of how good you'll feel once you've done it. Now on with the episode. Can people really manifest positive outcomes? You're listening to Psychology in 10 Minutes. I'm David B. Feldman. There's a new meme trending on TikTok. Maybe you've heard of it. Lucky Girl Syndrome. The belief that affirmative mantras and positive thinking will change the course of life events in your favor. As one TikToker announced in a recent video, quote, Things are always working out for me, no matter how it looks at any given time. Unquote. People are crediting Lucky Girl Syndrome with helping, quote-unquote, manifest everything from winning sports bets to becoming a first-time homebuyer to getting a raise. In fact, as of the recording of this episode, the Washington Post reports that TikTok videos with the hashtag LuckyGirlSyndrome have been watched more than 149 million times. Though TikTok may have just discovered this phenomenon, it's hardly new. The so-called power of positive thinking movement has been a force to reckon with for a very long time. It traces its roots back at least to the 1950s, when Norman Vincent Peale, an American minister, wrote the book entitled The Power of Positive Thinking, which went on to sell over 5 million copies. Peale's message was simple. By using positive thoughts, one could overcome virtually any obstacle and achieve astounding success. Later, in 2006, came the movie and book The Secret. Due in part to author Rhonda Byrne's appearance on The Oprah Winfrey Show, it has since sold over 35 million copies, has been translated into more than 50 languages, and has birthed many spin-off books, apps, websites, and organizations. Perhaps not surprisingly, however, life isn't as simple as these books portray. Almost three-quarters of a century after The Power of Positive Thinking was published, we now know that the relationship between positive thinking and well-being is complex, and it's important to find a balance between positive and negative, or perhaps realistic, thinking in order to allow us to address problems in our lives in a healthy and productive manner. First, here's the upside of positive thinking, also sometimes called optimism. Research shows that optimistic people tend to have better mental health outcomes, 
including lower levels of depression and anxiety, as well as generally higher emotional well-being and life satisfaction than less optimistic people. Additionally, they tend to be resilient, often better able to cope with stress than their less optimistic counterparts. There's even research linking greater optimism to somewhat better academic and professional outcomes, as well as higher quality social relationships on average. So nobody's saying that positive thinking is necessarily a bad thing. In fact, for most people, it's probably really good. However, like virtually anything in life, too much positive thinking may not be so good for us. It's called the optimism bias, the tendency for people to overestimate the likelihood of positive events happening to them and correspondingly underestimate the likelihood of negative events. According to numerous studies, this bias is present across a wide variety of populations and cultures. It's also been observed in both positive and negative scenarios, from overestimating one's ability to perform well on a test to underestimating the risk of accidents or illnesses. As comforting as beliefs like this may initially seem, they can lead people to make poor decisions and be less prepared for possible negative events. If you think you'll easily pass that test, you might not study. If you think you're not at risk for heart disease, you may not eat healthy or exercise. Somewhat infamously, the advice to think positively can also be problematic for people with cancer. When author and columnist Barbara Ehrenreich was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2001, she combed the web, books, and magazines, searching for sources of support. She expected to find a bunch of saccharine philosophy about the meaning of life with cancer but she was surprised to find seemingly endless repetitions of statements like, quote, you caused your cancer and you can cure it, unquote. As she wrote in her book, Brightsided, which chronicles the rise of the positive thinking industry in the United States, the more she searched, quote, the greater my sense of isolation grew. I didn't mind dying, but the idea I should do so while clutching a teddy bear and with a sweet little smile on my face, well, no amount of philosophy had prepared me for that. Unquote. The big problem here is that the notion that positive thinking can cure cancer may cause feelings of guilt and inadequacy. It's not always possible for people under the immense strain of a cancer diagnosis to maintain a positive attitude, especially when dealing with the physical symptoms of the disease, the side effects of treatments like chemotherapy, and the ambiguity and palpable sense of threat the disease can bring. Being told to think positively can make people feel guilty if they're not able to force themselves to do so. Additionally, people with cancer may feel guilty for not being able to control the outcome of the illness, and being told to think positively can contribute to this sense of helplessness. So, here's the truth. There is little scientific evidence that positive thinking alone can cure cancer or directly manifest any of the other concrete positive outcomes mentioned earlier. For its part, cancer is a complex and multifaceted disease that requires medical treatment. While positive thinking may have beneficial effects on a person's emotional well-being, as mentioned earlier, it's simply not a substitute for such medical treatment. Research has shown that cancer patients who maintain a positive attitude and practice stress-reducing techniques like meditation, journaling, and attending support groups may have better quality of life and better coping skills. Those are really good things. But this doesn't mean that positive thinking can necessarily cure cancer. 
Interestingly, optimistic thinking may lead to better adherence to cancer treatment, taking medications reliably, and attending regular doctor visits, among other things. And that may indirectly lead to better outcomes. And perhaps that's the most important lesson here. Positive thinking can, and often does, lead people to take constructive action. For instance, in my job as a professor and researcher, some of my own research studies have shown that people who are naturally higher in hopeful thinking plan to take steps to pursue their goals to greater degrees than people who are lower in hopeful thinking. In other words, when we believe that a positive outcome is possible, we may act on that belief. If we think getting an A on a test is possible, we may study harder than if we think getting an A is out of the question. And we all know that studying tends to lead to better grades. If a doctor tells us we have high cholesterol or high blood sugar, we may be more likely to exercise or lower our sugar intake when we believe that such actions could pay off. This, in turn, may make a big difference in our health and longevity. But the commonality here isn't that positive thinking is somehow magically manifesting good things in our lives. It's that we're actively doing something to work toward the outcomes and goals that are meaningful to us. That's not a new idea either, and it's infinitely more supported by the science than the notion that thoughts somehow manifest reality. Unfortunately, unlike lucky girl syndrome, the secret, or the power of positive thinking, it's also less likely to sell books or get views on TikTok. So, if you're a positive, optimistic thinker, good for you. Thinking positive thoughts and practicing positive mantras are probably really good things in your life. But if positive thinking doesn't come naturally to you, or if you're in a situation at the moment where you're finding it hard to think positively, there's no need to beat yourself up about it. It's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. You can still take the practical steps necessary to set goals and keep trying to make things better. In the end, this much less romantic idea is probably the most helpful of all. And that was Psychology in 10 Minutes.